When you give your life to Jesus, yes, you are a totally new person in the heavenly realms. You have Mm -hmm. access to God in a way that you've never had before. You can hear from God in ways that you didn't have the ability spiritually to hear from him before, because now you're connected to him through your faith in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Excited to be uh, remote right now. So we're doing this a little bit different today. Chad, thanks for being here and uh, doing this. I'm out of town. And so we're doing this over the internet. And so this is the first time I've done this with you, Chad. I've done it with other people, but first time I've done it this way. Robert is really fancy today for all of the Sun Valley folks. He's he's in Southern California being fancy, so he had to remote in. Wow. Yeah. Super fancy. Lindsay's working out here for, she has a, a work thing, so I, I tagged along, but still working remote. Chad, today I want us to talk about... <laughs> you didn't even touch you, that. You're in like I wanted the, to throw. You're in the Long Beach area? Uh we're in Solana Beach. Okay. So and like I wanted I said, to I wanted to be clear fancy. that I am working. So that's you see I slipped that in there. Like you're I'm just, working remote. You're just slaving away in paradise. <laughs> well, you know, since uh since we're being honest here, I had like let's, eight let's, Zoom calls yesterday. Let's just move on. And uh <laughs> it's it's exhausting being on Zoom calls. I I forgot how terrible that was from Zoom it, Zoom all the COVID. It. Yeah, yeah, it's it is terrible. It requires a whole lot of focus, like right now. Yep. All right. So let's talk about relational theology. We've been talking about this off and on throughout the podcast, um, but I, I want us to talk about spiritual maturity uh, because a lot of people they get into this topic, and you've mentioned this before, and they think spiritual maturity is information, it's knowledge, it's deeper understanding, it's I can quote things, I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew. Uh, Talk to us about what does actual spiritual maturity look like, and how do you know if you're maturing spiritually? That is a great question. If you, and let's just kind of maybe go uh, the mistakes we make about spiritual maturity, and then let's talk about what it actually is. Is that all right? Okay. Yep. So you ask the majority of American Christians or American pastors, um, let, let's 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 go into the question this way: What do you do in your church for spiritual maturity? Mm-hmm. The answer is going to be something in the realm of a class of theological education, some type of informational track that people can. Um, run on. In other words, you do this class, you do this class, you do this class. Well, now you're a disciple of Jesus, right? You've done the classes. Yeah. There Um, were some big churches in America that were kind of leading the charge on that. And it was like, hey, once you did this class, you know, you had your four bases or you had your, you know, North Star and you accomplished these things. And it was 101, 201, 301. And then once you did that, now you get the stamp, you get the certificate, you're a fully devoted follower of Christ. Yeah, because everybody knows if you do the four classes, once you get done with that, you're Jesus Jr., right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which maybe we need to define even what I just said. Um, but but typically when we think about Christian maturity or spiritual maturity or somebody in our church says, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a mature Christian, okay? Uh, first of all, a mature Christian would never say that uh, because the more that you get to know Jesus— the more that you realize how far you've got to go 
uh, to know him more and, and, and to be more like him in the sense of his character. And so usually when people think about Christian maturity or they say they're mature, it's in the realm of some class or information that they have. Uh, I'll just say, if you're a Sun Valley person and you ever come up to me and tell me that you're a mature Christian, I do throw up in my mouth uh, for just a second and I have to reel that back in. But I will be very kind to you um, because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, It's really important that we know what Christian maturity actually is. And so Christian maturity, biblically speaking, would be you're reflecting more and more of the character of Christ in your life. And so it's not really about information, although information is really important. I'm for the classes. I'm I'm for the track. Uh, At the first of next year, Robert, we're going to do a big thing in our church and walk everybody through some um, discipleship things that'll be new for them. And then then, um, for some people, it'll, it'll, it'll be quote deeper than they've ever had, but it'll, it'll be all in the realm of application. And information was part of the character of, of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, Information was part of the ministry of Jesus. He still taught, he still gathered disciples together and he would teach messages and lessons and all of that. So information was part of his development of disciples, uh, but it didn't stop there. It wasn't just, okay, now, you know, my teaching, it was, okay, now go put this into practice. Hey, I'm going to send you out two by two and you guys are going to go do ministry and then come report back. There was always some kind of an application. And even when he gets done teaching his greatest sermon ever, he ends it by saying, those who hear my words and put them into practice are like those who build their house on the rock. That application is the whole goal of everything I'm teaching you, that you do something with it, you apply it in your life. Well, the most common command from Jesus is not listen to me. Hmm. Uh, the most common command is not learn from me, although those two things are intertwined in the most common command. The most common command is follow me. Uh, do what I say. Uh, mature Christians do what Jesus says, which means it's it's not just... I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't hang out with people that do, right? That's the church Mm -hmm. I grew up in. You know, Christian maturity is about what what you don't do. Christian maturity is about um, how quick you are to forgive. Um, Mm -hmm. How are you loving your enemies? How do you bless those who persecute you? Uh, Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are you reflecting, again, the character of Jesus? And so, as much as I'm for information— um, the goal of discipleship, the goal of, quote, Christian maturity, right? So following Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a disciplined follower of a master. That means eventually we're going to become more and more like him. So Christian maturity would be you're Jesus Jr., you're a little, you're a little Christer, you're a little Jesus, a little Christer, a little, quote, Christian, which is where the term came from. So if I'm a brand new believer, I just put my trust in Jesus, what would be like what would you say? This is a reasonable pace of maturing. Like, should I be a totally different person tomorrow? So I said yes today. Tomorrow, am I like what? What's a reasonable pace of transformation? And what have you seen? What have you experienced? And and what can somebody expect who's now said yes to Jesus, received the Holy Spirit? What does that journey look like? There's there's two things going on, and so let's teach a little theology here. Uh, because information is important because it gives us, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that hopefully we can apply. When you give your life to Jesus, yes, you are a totally new person in the heavenly realms. 
You have mm-hmm. access to God in a way that you've never had before. You can hear from God in ways that you didn't have the ability spiritually to hear from him before, because now you're connected to him through your faith in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The theological word there is justification. When mm-hmm. you said yes to Jesus, this is an easy way to remember it, it's just as if you've never sinned in the heavenly realms. You can approach the throne of God. The righteousness of Jesus covers you. You have access to God and to the Holy Spirit um, and to Jesus, right? The full Trinity. They're all working uh, in your behalf relationally so that you might know them. Uh, you have access in a way you've never had before. It's just as if you've never sinned. So that's And that's the immediate. That's the the moment you say yes to following Jesus, that justification takes place. Yeah. That instantaneous moment of the Bible word that we would use, right, is salvation. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is Jesus literally taking on himself all of your sin for all time, past, present, future, and imparting to you his righteousness. So when God sees you, he sees you through the filter of the righteousness of, of Jesus. Let me give you another theological word. Just for everybody Let's that's listening, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just get our money's worth today since we don't make any money on this podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the theological word there is propitiation, and, and it means an exchange. In exchange for my sin, Jesus is giving me his righteousness. Uh, now, this would be cosmically. This would be in the heavenly realms. This would be as far as my standing before God. Uh, I, I am no longer found guilty because Jesus has paid the fine and covered it for me. That is justification. Yeah, so, so there's instantly. this yeah, substitution that takes place. And so he takes on all of our sin. He imparts to us all of his righteousness. So now let's talk about day two or moment number two. <laughs> okay, so that just happened. Now what? So I, I'm righteous before God, but I'm in process on the earth mm-hmm. because so I've been following Jesus now for, let me think here, for over 30 years. Like in a in a really committed way, right? I was at church nine months before I was born. Because my mom played the piano up front at the little Baptist <laughs> church in Mesquite, Texas, where they yelled at you a lot. Um, so I've been in church my whole life. But I've been serious about following Jesus now for about 30 years. I still struggle with sin. Um, I still mm-hmm. fight it. I still wrestle with it. Um, I, I have moments where I win over temptation. I have moments when I fail and give in to temptation. So I'm still a work in progress. Uh, being a work in progress is the process of, here's the other theological word, is sanctification. So I'm going to give a real elementary definition of sanctification. Sanctification is that process of God working in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to make you more and more like Jesus. So Mm -hmm. sanctification comes from me continually dying to myself so that the Spirit of God can live in me and through me. And the more that I allow that to happen and allow that work to happen, uh, the more that my heart changes. And that process of my heart changing from the inside out is that process of sanctification. God in his grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in cooperation with me and my obedience, is making me more like Jesus. That's the process yeah. of sanctification. And he'll be chiseling on me and molding me and uh, rebuking me and teaching me and training me till I die. Um, this so, is, so how, this how is fast important. is it, right? How fast am I changed? Yeah. Well, it depends on what we're talking about, right? 
Uh, some people are alcoholics when they give their life to Jesus, and they're still alcoholics the next day. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got to do some serious work. I have seen some people that were alcoholics that God supernaturally removed that thirst, literally. Uh, but that's rare. That's in the realm of miracle. That's why it's called a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. We all want magic. God wants trust. For the rest of my life in relationship with Jesus, I'm going to be trusting him and applying what he says. And there'll be a sanctifying process in my heart and soul that he will do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is an important point that when we talk at church and we're standing up and we're saying, hey, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you anymore, nothing you could do that would make God love you any less. All of that is absolutely true, that it is not an earned thing when it comes to salvation. It is a gift from God that we receive through faith. But the Christian life still includes effort. There's this journey, and you and I choose whether or not we're going to take that next step of obedience. That's what discipleship is. And we choose whether or not we're going to allow the work, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to be applied in our life. There is a God's doing something in our lives, but we're involved in that. And it's a joint effort that we're doing together. And that is the process of sanctification, which is why in the Bible, Paul says, hey, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't stop what God wants to do in your life, uh, because you and I have the ability to say yes to Jesus and then go, yeah, but I don't want to change any of these things, or I want to keep these things all to myself or whatever, um, instead of saying, nope. By saying yes to Jesus, I'm trusting him to also lead, and now I'm going to work with the help of the Holy Spirit to allow God to make me more and more like like Jesus. Yeah, I, I like how you said that. It's it's not about earning, but it mm-hmm. does require effort, right? So um this this is a this is a human, frail, broken, uh incomplete illustration. All right. Because I'm human and I'm not God, but but maybe it'll help us. Um, I don't have to earn my wife's love. She just loves me, right? If I was an idiot today, and I have been in the past and I will be again in the future, she's probably still going to love me because she's committed to me. But that doesn't mean I don't put forth any effort. I put forth effort because I love her. I put forth effort because I find her beautiful. I put forth effort because I want to be close to her. And so now let's put that in our relationship with Jesus. You know, I want to follow Jesus because I love him. I want to follow Jesus because I find him beautiful. I want to follow Jesus because I know he's smarter than me. Uh, I want to follow Jesus uh, because of who he is. And so I submit my will under his and I do what he says. So I have a friend, and I've been saying it at Sun Valley, but I got it from Larry Osborne, who's been on the podcast before. He's a mentor to me. And he says this, discipleship is as simple as your next step of obedience. And he couldn't be more right. I mean, that that is um, a, a, a plumb line type of statement that helps us understand what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, at the end of the day, a class will help you, but it won't get it done. At the end of the day, a Bible degree will help you, but it won't get it done. At the end of the day, coming to church every weekend will really help you, but it won't get it done. At the end of the day, you have to do what Jesus says. That's what gets it done. And the more that you do that, the more that you'll understand who he is, the more that his spirit will work in your soul, and the more that he'll transform you into his image. And that's how it works. So what's discipleship? What's Christian maturity? It's obedience. And and this is not, I don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew. This is in the realm of what did Jesus tell us to do? Well, at the top, and then he breaks it down, is love others the way that I love you. So, so you take that command. If you get that right, you get them all right, which means holiness is relational, which means 
Christian maturity is relational, which means obedience to Jesus in any area of your life is going to be relational. It's relationship with God, relationship with people. So if I'm experiencing, because you talked about, hey, there's some days that, you know, you give into temptation, some days you don't. It's kind of this up and down, up and down, up and down. How do I know if I'm actually maturing or if I'm kind of stagnant and just in the same cycle, same loop over and over again? How do you know that, okay, there's actually transformation happening from the inside out? Yeah. So it's, it's not about your feelings. It's about your follow through. So some of your greatest signs of maturity is when you don't want to do what Jesus says, but you do it anyway. Mm. Some of your greatest signs of maturity is you don't want to stop doing something, but you know Jesus doesn't like it. So you stop, or you're really in the fight to stop it. Those are, those are signs of, of maturity. And what I've learned is uh, faithfulness precedes power. So when I do what he asks me to do, right? I, I still may be in the fight for a while, but then there are these moments in my life where I've been faithful. I'm trying. I don't feel like it. I'm in the fight, but I stay consistent. Um, there's a power that shows up and, you know, some some sin is defeated and we move on to the next thing. Um, other things, um, when you really forgive somebody, I mean, I mean, you've been set free. You've really forgiven them. That's a sign of maturity. Um, when you um, are thinking less of yourself and more about others, that's a sign of maturity. If, if, if you are thinking about yourself less and less in your life, that's a really good sign that you're becoming more like Jesus. Um, if you are really aware of how immature you are, that's a sign of maturity. Isn't that ironic? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the more that you get to know God— and the more that you're maturing, the more you realize how far you have to go. Thus, when somebody comes and says, well, I'm a mature Christian, my immediate thought is, no, you're not. Um, not only do you have a pride problem, uh, you are extremely arrogant, right? So you're like ignorantly arrogant, which is why I feel sorry for you and throw up in my mouth a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the audacity for somebody to say that to me is just stunning. Um, the ignorance is overwhelming. You and I were talking about this the other day because somebody called me godly. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, please don't ever call me that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, let's hear from God's man. Right. And I'm just like, oh, no, yeah. please, please don't put that on me. Yeah. 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 So you talk about and, and we've talked about multiple times on the on the podcast as well. If all of life is about relationships and spiritual maturity, if that's reflected in our relationships, I would say one thing that you can do is you can look back and go, OK, where was I a year ago when it comes to my relationships? Yeah. And am I in a better place now when it comes to if you're married in, in my marriage and uh, how I treat my wife, how I speak to her? If, Am I maturing in my relationship with my kids, with the people that I, strangers that I encounter? Do I see the fruit of the spirit in my relationships growing or do I see that nothing's changed or I've gotten worse? And I think that'd be a good sign to go, okay, where am I at today versus one year ago, two years ago, three years ago? And for me, it makes it easier to see what trajectory am I actually on? What path am I on when it comes to spiritual maturity and growth? Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good uh, litmus test. Is, is, you know, how, how are my relationships? So let's put this all together. So that means you can be a Bible expert. Mm -hmm. You can have theological degrees. You can have more degrees in theology, you know, than Fahrenheit, right? 
Yep. And still blow up your marriage and still blow up your relationship with your kids and still blow up your life. So what that means is you have knowledge about God, but you've yet to really experience knowledge of God, really walk with him, uh, know him in a real way, right? Um, I'm a big Theodore Roosevelt fan. Right now I'm reading a book I read in my 20s called The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, Pulitzer Prize winning book by Edmund Morris. Okay. So I know a lot about Theodore Roosevelt. I'm a fan. I can tell you a lot about Theodore Roosevelt. I like talking about Theodore Roosevelt, but I've never met him. Mm -hmm. I have knowledge. Here's the difference about him, but I don't have any Mm -hmm. knowledge of him. And to your point, the more that you have knowledge of God, the better you're going to get relationally. Um, the more you're going to be gracious with people because you realize how gracious he's been to you. So just a moment ago, like I, I said, and, and maybe this confused somebody, especially if you come from like a assembly God background or, or, or a different kind of church background. So I just said, I don't like it if somebody says you're God's man or you're godly. Chad, you're so godly. Okay. First of all, I'm like, well, you don't know me very well, right? Hmm. The reason that I, I chafe at that it's not because I don't know my calling. I know that God in his sense of humor has made me, right, quote, to use that language, his man for this time and to do this. Okay. I don't chafe at that. I chafe at this reality. Um, the only sin Jesus ever experienced was mine. And the only righteousness I'll ever have is his. I'm, I'm God's man because he owns me. He works through me. It's not because I'm great or because I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think, to toot my own horn, doot, 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 that's actually really healthy, right? Well, my wife always does that. It's funny. Um, it, it's, it's healthy to go, there's nothing good in me apart from Jesus. It, it, when somebody says that, okay, that's a person that has some understanding of the reality of grace, which in mm-hmm. turn is going to affect relationships because they're going to be more gracious to other people. It it is yeah. it is all intertwined relationship with God, relationship with people. All right. So to tie a bow on this conversation and, and go back to our theological terms. So you can say, if you've said yes to following Jesus, you have been saved. Uh, you can also say you are being saved. That is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus, this process of sanctification. You can also say that one day you will be saved. So talk to us about glorification and and what is ahead for each one of us who have put our trust in Jesus. I feel like you were preaching there for a moment. So it was so, a little preachy. So right now it was good. It wasn't preachy. It was just truth. Um, and it was solid. So, so what Robert was just saying um, is actually from the book of Romans where, where Paul literally teaches this. And so the theological terms, so we'll add the third one that Robert just said, justification, you give your life to Jesus in the heavenlies and you're standing before God. It's just as if you've never sinned. Jesus clothes you with his righteousness, justification. So you are saved. Sanctification, you are being saved. This is the process of of the Holy Spirit working in our lives as we obey Jesus and as we surrender to him and we take that right information and we add application and that takes us to transformation. That is the sanctifying work of God in your life. Okay, so that's the fight we're in at the moment, the fight for sanctification. So justification has happened. Sanctification is happening. I have been saved. I am being saved. Glorification will happen. So glorification, if you're at Sun Valley and you've ever heard me refer to death as graduation, that's what I'm talking about. Glorification. Glorification means I'm going to die one day. And when I die, the only thing that will be eternal is my soul 
and the Spirit of God intertwined with it. My sin nature, my flesh, uh, my natural tendency to, to sin and want to rebel against God will be gone. And I will have a glorified body um, in the end when the resurrection happens. Um, sin will no longer be a fight for me because the flesh, the sin nature, that genetic thing in me that, that makes me naturally want to sin because we're all natural born sinners, that will be gone. And my soul, which is just neutral, it's just who I am, who God made me, will be intertwined with the Spirit of God intimately for all eternity, and I'll be in the physical presence of Jesus. Uh, I will experience the glory of God the Father. I will get to know them for all of eternity. I will understand their love for me, and so I will always trust them, and that's glorification. And that's where we're headed, and that's really good news. Okay, so we're going to end on one last question because I I think people are— whether they're consciously asking this or subconsciously asking is this exists in every fleshly part of our minds. Okay. So if I have been saved and I know that one day God's going to complete the work and I will be saved, why should I care about being in the fight now? Why should I care about this journey? If God's just going to complete everything one day anyway, because you love Jesus. And when you love somebody, you want to please them. Mm. When, when you love somebody, um, you want to be close to them and trust them. Which, which brings me to this stark reality. And so let me just be a prophet here for a second. What that means is, like, when you think about heaven and you don't care whether or not Jesus is there and you don't think about Jesus, just to be straight, there's a good chance you're not going to be there um, because this whole thing is about giving your life to Jesus it's about understanding the beauty of God. We understand that in the person of Jesus. We experience it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't care about Jesus, you're probably not going to experience justification, sanctification, or glorification in any way because Jesus is in the center of that. And so I would humbly and, and yet courageously say, give your life to Jesus, follow Jesus, love Jesus, worship Jesus, serve Jesus, get to know who Jesus is. You cannot know who Jesus is and not love him. And so why do we want to do what he says now then? We're going to heaven anyway, because you love him. That's why. And this is the Christian life. It is relational to the bone. It's not keeping score. It's not religion. It's, it's, it's not even, and this is a crazy thing, dude. It's not even rules. Because I could break all the rules, right? But I don't want to. I want to do the rules because I love Jesus. And it's not that I'm earning anything, but I put forth effort because I'm devoted to him. And, and that's the heart of the, of the real biblical Christian life. Yeah. So good. If you're listening right now and you're like, you know what? I have not trusted Jesus with my life and I've not put my faith in him. Uh, I want to invite you to do so. You can actually, we'll help you do that. You can go to yes.sv.cc. Uh, there's a video there. There's some kind of steps that, that you could take. We want to walk alongside you in that journey and for you to experience that transformation that comes from truly putting your trust and, and building a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to invite you to do that. Chad, thanks so much for being on the podcast and leading us and um, all your, your leadership and helping us understand relational theology. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for leading me and for joining, joining me from beautiful California today, Robert. <laughs> hey, you bet. Suffering for Jesus. <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. 
Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.